and kittens, this is Carol Baskin. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just kidding. This is Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot goss through the lens of your nosy neighbor. And I'm Millie Brooks, not Carol Baskin from Netflix's Tiger King. This is episode 26 And keeping with the theme of infertility this season, today we are going to talk to my good friend Kaylin Sheik about intrauterine insemination, or IUIs. You may remember Kaylin from season one when we chatted with her about owning a small business. Yes, ring a bell. Well, Kaylin is back on the show and here today to talk about her IUI experience. And let me tell you, she's had several IUIs, okay? Seven to be exact. So the girl could be an expert without actually being an expert if you know what I mean. She has a boatload of experience to share, um, which is why I invited her on the show today. But before we get to that conversation, two important announcements. All right, announcement number one. This season, we will be talking all about infertility, and one of the episodes will be a book review of Peggy Ornstein's memoir, Waiting for Daisy. It's a gorgeous and funny book of Peggy's journey to parenthood. So if you want to follow along with the podcast, grab a copy of Waiting for Daisy today, right now. Go ahead. Um, The episode pertaining to that book will be out Monday, June 1st. So that gives you plenty of time to read up on it before that episode airs. Announcement number two. Please rate and review Me, Myself, and Millie on Apple Podcasts. Listen, you and I both know you have the time right now. You have no place to be. We are all locked up in our own caves right now. So take 30 seconds to help the show and give us a review. The simple act of writing a review for the podcast goes such a long way and it helps the show reach a bigger audience. So thank you for your support. We all really appreciate it. And when I say we all, I mean me, myself, and Millie. Um, Okay, let's talk with Kaylin. Kaylin, it's great to have you back on the show. Me, myself, and Millie, my God. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm so excited you're here. First off, um, happy quarantine. Happy quarantine to you. You're staying safe and healthy out there. We are. We are, you know, as we were just saying, Gavin Newsom, he he pulled he pulled the right moves early on. Yep, yep. So it's you guys are rocking it out there. We're rocking it. How is how are things up the in Northern Michigan. They're good. You know, we keep saying we're so obviously all the gratefulness aside of like, we're safe, we're healthy. We have a house to shelter in place. And, you know, living in a rural area, um, it makes it seem a lot less like 
it's happening because we live in a row. So it's not like I'm, you know, yes. at a target every day. Like, so it's, it's been, it's fine until I have to leave for something. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out, you know, yeah. it's really scary, but it's serious here in Michigan. So we're taking it very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I remember seeing those spring breakers, like the first week of oh. quarantine and they were just like having a party in Miami. And I was like, guys, the party is over. Well, shut it down. <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, shut it down, get home. And you know, they're all on CNN, like, if, if I die from coronavirus, at least I was tan. And I was like, I'm <laughs> for the future. <laughs> oh, gosh. Ooh. Well, give me and the listeners an update on how the crazy neighborhood boys are doing. Are they, are they honoring the shelter in place? Okay. So, you know, Blaine was doing really good. That's his name. Mm-hmm. And then they souped up their side by side. You know what a side by side is? This is some country stuff we're getting into. <laughs> no. Oh God. A side by side is like a gator. It's like a, an all-terrain vehicle. You like can go on trails and, a lot of people have them at like deer camp. Like think of a four wheeler, but it can fit four people. Oh, it, can it go on water? Oh my God, Millie. <laughs> grew up in the Midwest. I my don't... God, remember where you came from. <laughs> no, it can't go on water. It drives on the road, a side by side. I was thinking about the Wisconsin <laughs> Dells. You know, the car that can also go on water. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, Blaine and his, I don't know, brother, that kid he's always bad with. Yeah. They up a side-by-side, so every night around 5 p.m., they drag race down the road. I'm like, I don't think that's essential travel, Blaine. <laughs> but, and then Matt also reminded me, one thing I forgot to tell you about these boys, these neighborhood boys who don't even know I exist, by the way. Um, yeah. One winter, they made a huge penis in the snow. Fitting for what we're about to get into. But the, oh, huge, so I'm talking like a six foot penis <laughs> in a, as, as a snow creation sculpture, if you will. And it was out in their yard. People were slowing down, taking pictures. Oh my gosh. So, you know, Wait, how tall was it? It was, well, wasn't it? <laughs> Wait, was it erect or was it on the floor? It was, um, it was a rat. <laughs> did they, did they try to make a snowman and it just went wrong? Yeah, and then it got funny. You know, they're teenagers. <laughs> so, changed very quickly. But I remember Matt and I drove by and we were like, oh my, I said, that was a penis. We drove by. <laughs> All their bros are out there laughing with them. I mean, what do you do when you're like, what? I know there's not much to do. That's the neighborhood update for you. I love it. Great update. Let's, um, let's dive into how you and Matt met and how long you guys have been together. Yeah. So Matt and I met, um, we've been together 13 years this summer and we met working together. We worked at a summer camp. Um, we just both happened to hire in the same summer. He had been there for a year and I was new 
And um, we were on staff together and we were just friends that first summer towards the end of, I mean, I always had a crush on him, but he thought I was just to quote an annoying 19 year old blonde girl. So (laughs) things were off to a great start. (laughs) Um, And we just started hanging out we became friends. And then before I knew it, you know, August, September, we were dating and we got married six years ago this summer. So we've been together for a long time. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. You've known each other for a long time too. If you worked at summer camp together. Yes. Yes. So knowing, I mean, he met me when I was 19, you know, and the fact that I'm going to be 32 here is like crazy. We've been together for so long, but it's been, we're still the same. We're so different, but we're still the same and we're very different from each other. So I firmly believe in like opposites. Yeah. New track. You got to play off one another and bring different things to the table. Yes, you gotta you gotta have your yin and yang. Cover. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Well, walk us through your fertility journey and starting with you know the time when you and Matt decided to start trying. Do you have six days? Do we have <laughs> time limit here? <laughs> no, go take take the reins. Okay, so um. We started trying uh, in 2017. We tried for most of 2017. And in the beginning, and I think this is true for most couples, it was just sort of like, oh, we're trying, you know, like, or we're we're not not trying, you know, you sort of have those conversations. And then as the months tick by, you're like, okay, let's really start making a more valiant effort at this and tracking things and, you know, tracking my ovulation and And then it had been, you know, 10, 11 months of that. And I was like, I think we need to go. By then my anxiety was through the roof because I was like, things wrong. What's going on? By then you're in a scary rabbit hole of internet forums. and Oh Oh, my God. I think I, I honestly, I go back and forth with, did the internet help or hurt me? I think, I think it hurt me in the long run and all that. It was just. So then I'm like, we need to, we need to see someone. So we, we went and saw, um, the first, the one, this is so Northern Michigan, the one fertility doctor in our town. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Yes. We only have one option. And then we have, um, a really incredible option in Grand Rapids where we eventually had our consultation for IVF. Um, so we started there and you know how it is. It's like, you're so anxious to just get going. And then it's three months of tests. Yeah. It's like three months of, we're going to run your blood work and we're going to get, we're going to track your cycle and we're going to give you this scan and this ultrasound. And, and so um, that was in early 2018. And then we started our treatment in early 2018. And I always say 2018 was sort of the year of all our stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so walk, you've had quite a few IUIs. Yes. Walk us through the highs and lows of all those IUIs. So I, um, did six total. It may have been a six total. Sometimes I think it's seven, but I I literally don't even remember. Um, yeah. Six total. Uh, and I decided early on that the decision I wanted to make was my first few were unmedicated cycles. So I was not on any Clomid or any Fimara or any fertility drugs at that time. Mm-hmm. I was like, we're just gonna, you know, 
yeah. shoot it up there, for lack of a better term. I don't know, turkey baste. Get the turkey baster into position at the. <laughs> yes. No, you know how it is. So, yes, yes. Um, those first few we just tried regular, um, unmedicated is what our doctor referred to it as. And, and then I, so of my six IUIs, I got pregnant from three of them. No way. Yeah. But none of them resulted in a live birth. I had three losses out of oh, my IUIs. Kaylin. Um, yeah. It was crazy. I mean, it was, and it just felt endless. Yeah. Like it would be like, Oh my gosh, it worked. Okay, here we go. We're getting in the first early weeks. Okay, I'm going to miscarry. And then um, I kept miscarrying around the same time each time, which was really early on. Mm -hmm. Um, What week were you? Usually around six. Okay. Um, Usually around six and then um, six to eight, always in there. Okay. And it would be, I mean, the blessing and the curse of doing a fertility treatment is that, you know, the blood work so intensely so that, um, I would know really early on that it wasn't going to go all the way. Does that make sense? Yes. Because they would be like, they they check your beta levels. Yes. So I would go get my beta and it would be doubling for a couple days and they'd be like, you're pregnant, it's working. And then, you know, you go one day and the numbers have stopped or dropped completely. So then they know that something's wrong. Yep. Yeah. So we kept trying IUI. We tried a couple of medicated cycles um, just because I feel like when you do a medicated cycle, just it's a numbers game because then you can potentially get more eggs to fertilize. Right. Um, and then my, the, I guess the, the most dramatic chapter or the climatic moment of this scene mm-hmm. is I have an ectopic. So I get pregnant in, um, we do an IUI in September and I'm pregnant from that one. And that one took off. I was like, oh my gosh, the numbers are really strong. Yeah. This be awesome. And then I went and the numbers were going up still, but they weren't doubling. And it got really, um, I don't know. I just had this feeling that something was wrong. Yeah. Even numbers kept going up. They weren't doubling, but I wasn't miscarrying. I wasn't bleeding at all. And then finally the numbers just stayed for a couple of days and they were like, you'll lose this one too. So that probably, I mean, I always say like 2018, I've pretty much like blacked it out from my memory. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just cray. So, um, this story gets really dramatic here, everybody buckle up. So I, (laughs) I keep saying to the doctor, I keep calling and saying, you know, I haven't started bleeding yet. Something is wrong. Like I just had this feeling. I was like, something is wrong with this one. And they were like, are you in pain? Um, are you, is your stomach distended? Are you, you know, none of it. I had no symptoms, but I was like, something is really wrong with me. I just know. So I march into the doctor's office one morning. And I mean, this was the week of Halloween. So it had been like, you know, two weeks from your IUI and then you're doing your lab work for two weeks and it's horrible. You know how the two week wait is. Yes. Yes. And I knew I was going to lose this one and it can take time when you're going to have a miscarriage. Um, it can take, you know, many days for your body to sort of get this signal because remember we're reading blood work and labs way faster than our body is able to process the information. Yep. 
Yeah. So I go in and I'm like, something is incredibly wrong with me. Like I need to see a doctor right now. I mean, I was off the handle. I was out of my mind and it was Halloween. I will never forget it. And I, the doctor, she's looking. So I get an ultrasound and she's looking at the ultrasound and she says to me, have you had anything to eat today? And I was like, what? And she was like, you have to go have surgery right now. You, the pregnancy is ectopic. So it's in your tube and it's rupturing. So this is incredibly serious. And you know, then you're just like hysterical. I mean, I had been like, I'm fine to go to the doctor by myself. You know, I thought they were going to give me, you can take a drug when you're going to miscarry that helps your body get rid of it faster. Like, you know, these different things. And, um, she was like, have you had anything to eat today? And I was hysterical. So then it just set in this, that was at like probably noon that day. And then by six o'clock that night, I never left. I mean, I never left the hospital. Oh my God. They were just like wheeling me into surgery. Yeah. That was crazy. That was horrendous. That was definitely the low moment of it all. Were they able to do the surgery, um, in time so that your tube was not was left undamaged. Yeah, that was the part I immediately started freaking out about mm-hmm. um, because I did have a sense of relief because I had been right. Like something was wrong. Do you know what I'm saying? And just yes. to feel like validated. And the doctor was like, "Are you crying because you're scared?" And I was like, "I'm scared, but I'm also so relieved that this is going to be over." Because I had been waiting, you know, for two weeks for my body to end it naturally. None of us knew it was in my tube. Um, And then I said to her, and I'm terrified I'm going to lose my tube. And she said, we won't know till we get in there. Um, But I just want to let you know that like women can, tons of women have one tube and can go on to have healthy pregnancies. And we're going to figure this out. And so I just like, I don't, I don't know, you know, so much of it is so... I just remember being so sad that you don't really think of like, I'm freaking out about the tube. I was like, I just want this to be over. That's all I kept saying to Matt. And then my mom had driven up to come. Obviously I was just hysterical. Mm -hmm. It was all not good news, but the best news imaginable was that my tube had been saved. Um, I have a beautiful uterus. I mean, I was like, Oh God. They said that. Yeah. She was like, you have a beautiful uterus. And I just remember being like so doped up. And I was like, sweet. You know me. I'm obsessed with myself. So I was like, of course. I have the best uterus, doctor. Um, And then she said, I think I figured out what's wrong. And she said, you have really bad endometriosis. (gasps) And found that when they were doing the surgery. Yes. And she said, I would venture to guess that all three pregnancies have been in a tube because your endometriosis was so bad that I don't think the egg and the sperm were making it down into your uterus. The scar tissue was there. Wow. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. We have an answer because that's all you want. Yeah. Answer. And she said, I want you to take six months off. And just relax and don't think about this anymore and let your body heal from surgery. And then you need to start IVF. And so, um, you know, just having her say, I think this is what's wrong, um, was really validating for me. And 
crazy is that I later found out that when I was in surgery, they had had a discussion, which is so weird to think about because you're just like laying there on the table. like a, Yeah. And they're like, hey, seen any good movies lately? But, <laughs> but she said they had discussed that the endometriosis was bad on the one side, that they were going to take um, medical grade placenta. So some women donate their placentas to science mm-hmm. and they make these little tear sheets of it. And they put it into wound victims because it stops wounds from bleeding. So if you you go to the hospital and you've been in a car accident and your arm is bleeding horrendously and they can't stop it, a lot of times they put medical grade placenta, it's like dried and treated in the wound and it'll stop it. She, it stimulates new cell growth. She cleaned out the endometriosis that she could. And then she put some of that in there. And, um, you know, I think that is eventually why the crazy part of this story is that I was pregnant naturally 15 days later. Wow. Wow. So you, so you guys did not take a break after. Oh, we did. We did. I was not tracking. I was not um, paying attention. We scheduled two consultations for IVF. They were going to be four months later. Mm -hmm. We were just like relaxing. I was drinking a ton of wine you know, yeah. just trying to, you know, think about other things. And she said, your body's is going to need time to heal and just go easy and don't think about it. And then, you know. Wow. And then you got pregnant. Yeah. Wow. Kaylin. Yeah. How, but how great. So your doctor was a female. Yes. Wow. How great is that, that she just like, you know, when they were doing the surgery, when they got in there, they saw the endometriosis and they made a decision quickly to yes. help it. I mean, it's pretty amazing that she was in there and she was like, well, let's do what we can. You know, like um, I really have her to thank for for helping me in ways I'll never be able to measure or know. You know, I think the best thing that came out of that, aside from having another loss, was that finally someone had seen the inside. Cause you know, like when you're going through it, they give you all these options, but opening you up for surgery, just to take a peek around is a pretty invasive way to make sure that your systems are working. Right. Right. And so they can't see endometriosis on an ultrasound as far as I know. Um, and so, and all my tests had come back normal, which is mine. It's such a mind screw, you know, like that, that's the thing that you know, throws me for a loop because people typically with people with endometriosis, they have terrible, terrible periods, you know, they're Mm -hmm. irregular. Was that your situation? I had always had painful periods, but I never, but they were heavy, but they were always regular. Um, I always had an excuse for why they were painful or heavy. I was like, Oh, I'm, I had an IUD for a while. And then it's like, Oh, I'm, you know, in college and basically just binge drinking and running the streets of Chicago and not eating anything except for lean cuisines, like maybe that's for your body for a loop, you know, it's like one thing after another, I never thought I had endometriosis because, you know, endometrial pain, I have friends who have endometriosis who they have to take three days off of work, you know, or they have to, or they're bleeding so heavily, they can't leave their house. Um, and mine was never that. I just thought I had a painful, heavy period, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it was always regular. 
Interesting. Um, and a lot of times you read about endometriosis and you have, you know, all these different symptoms. And I, since I was sort of asymptomatic, it, you know, they never, it never really flagged me for it. But I think that the, I learned a lot of lessons in my fertility journey. Um, but I think the biggest one was that it was really lonely at times because no one wants to talk about it. Right. Right. And they also, you know, there's people, I'm convinced that the people that dominate the whole fertility conversation are the ones who get pregnant very easily. And those are the ones you hear from the most like, Oh yeah, I just, you know, I just had to look at my husband and I got pregnant, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And those, those types of conversations, they're more anomalies than they are the standard, you know, we love, we love a happy story. Yeah. We love a happy story. So no one wants to hear from the girl and this is changing, but let's even say 10 years ago, 15 years ago, it was unheard of for someone to be like, Hey, I can't come into work today because I'm having a miscarriage. Right. Which is crazy. Right. Right. And several like, I'm really under the weather. I have to have an emergency procedure. Like we, because we don't want to make people uncomfortable. You know, grief is so uncomfortable for and and also confronting somebody else's grief mm-hmm. is so we just don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, I've heard and I, it, I've heard one of everything. Like, um, well, at least you know you can get pregnant. That's a really big one they say when you have losses. Or um, you're you and Matt are so lucky that you can afford to see a fertility doctor. Think of the women who can. And I'm like, the comparative suffering is not my jam. Yeah. So, yeah, we got to get that you, out of our vocabulary. Yes, yes. Like, you know, I always said, one of my friends said, I don't even know what to say to you right now when I was, you know, like, I'm going through all this. This is horrible. And I said, the only thing, the best thing anyone can say, I think, and it changes person to person, was just like, I'm here for whatever capacity you need me. And this sucks. Yeah. It sucks you're going through this. I love you and I'm sorry. Yeah. I think I, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, what's worked for you? What do you like that people say? I mean, I do really like, I like people sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like an instant connection with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <clears throat> if one more person tells me to go see an acupuncturist, I'm mm-hmm. going to flip a table. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I am seeing an acupuncturist. Totally. Totally. It's like, I was the same way. I was like, no one can tell me to go see an acupuncturist, but every day I'm like, hi, Linda, can we acupuncture appointment? <laughs> I just like, and then there's like the Mayan, you know, abdominal massage. Oh God. And I'm Castor just- oil, get a castor oil bag. And it's like, Oh, like if I listen, if Brazil nuts were going to get me pregnant, it would have happened a year ago. My God, (laughs) the Brazil nuts, (laughs) nothing like a good seed cycling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That's, you know, that's, and then there was also, there were times periodically when we were trying naturally Um, and, um, we hadn't got to the point where we started treatment, but there was a few half, you know, 
I, I mentioned to a couple of friends that we were, we were trying or we're not, not trying. I mm-hmm. love that we said that cause that was a line that we used and, um, and they were, they made like really crude remarks about, um, how long I waited to start trying. Oh, I would this see this. Now this is why I can't carry a weapon. <laughs> I mean, I swear to God. Yeah. Like people, I remember one friend, she, she, uh, God bless her. I, I know she means well, but sometimes she, she's a little cheeky, you know? Mm-hmm. And she, I just remember her taking her finger and pointing at her wrist and saying, tick tock. Oh, and I was like, Oh, like my mom had just died. Like it was, it was like, I can't, I couldn't justify to myself to try to start trying any sooner than we did. And that's okay. That's, and I know you know this. And I I also am so over, I am so over the, um, this argument that, I mean, I'm trying to think how to say it. Like, Science is so incredible yeah. and so amazing, and it's there for a reason. And millions of women are having babies past the age of 35, 37, 39, 40. So is it harder? Yeah. But is it impossible? No. And also, maybe we just wanted to have fun in our yeah. 20s and our early 30s and work yeah. on our Cough, cough, careers. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest thing that I waited. You know, that's Mm -hmm. the biggest reason why I waited. I just, I wanted to make sure, like, I've never been one of those people that I'm like, oh, being a mother is going to define me. It's going to be everything, you know, it's Mm -hmm. all I've ever wanted. Like, yeah, I want to be a mom because I I like kids. I want to have my own kid. But it's never like it's never like been my most, my number one passion in life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I solidified and checked off a few boxes Mm -hmm. career wise before we started trying. And I don't regret that. I don't regret that. Absolutely. So you'll be a mom. So that's not, it's not, it's not going anywhere. And so, but you didn't have to, travel and there was no guarantee that you could do these things professionally. So I'm proud of you, but yeah, the, the snide comments and the, Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Really, it's hard. It's hard. And you just don't know the struggle or the battle that anyone's going through. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all, it, there's always a secret battle behind mm-hmm. everyone's story. And mm-hmm. so, and especially with the, with the kid thing, you know, I'm just noticing more and more people, more and pe- more people, like if I meet somebody new, um, I started doing a um, bunko. Have you ever heard of bunko? Oh, yeah. Oh, my. Do you live in a country club near <laughs> the south? I'm so, sorry. Do you drive a golf cart there? I, I wish. I wish. What is going on? Okay. I joined, I joined a bunko tournament. Okay. <laughs> and I love it. It's like a little bit of gambling, a little bit of like 
like older women getting drunk off, you know, two buck Chuck. <laughs> and we're all just like roll and die, you know, okay. for 20 bucks. It's fun. <laughs> but so when I first joined this club, I met, you know, all these new women and it was like there, it was like, hi, how are you? Where do you live? Do you have kids? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, such part of our culture. Why do we ask women that question? And, and I, when I went through our struggle, I was like, I am never asking anyone ever again if they have kids. I'm never asking anyone ever again if they plan to have kids. And it is so ingrained in us that I have slipped up. Yeah. Me, it is so ingrained in us that I was talking to some girl a couple months back in town who I just met. We were at a thing. And I was like, oh, do you have any kids? And I wanted to crawl in a hole and die. <laughs> Oh my God, where did that come from? I used to, I used to hate people who asked me that. I know. And I, I, I know looking back on things, I know there are things that I have said that I really regret and I'm embarrassed. And I feel like this, this struggle that I've endured has given me a new perspective on things, you know? And it's so much so. And, and also, can I ask, can I ask you a personal question? Of course. Are you seeing a therapist? Yes. Yeah. That really, I think, was the game changer for me. Yes. The way that I could sort of handle some of the weeks. Because I started develop developing really unhealthy, really unhealthy um, habits. Yeah. In, in the form of magical thinking. Mm-hmm. So in the form of... Um, okay. Last time I went to have my blood work done, this is the the phlebotomist that drew my blood. So I'm going to wait till they're available because when they like, do you know, like that game, um, when, when Phil draws my blood, I always get a good result. Uh, yes. So you're like creating scenarios and rituals. It just like grasping at control, Mm -hmm. right? Grasping any way to control it. So like, um, you know, this time when we did last time, when we did the IUI, I didn't work out the week after. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to work out the week after because I think, and, and it's, it, you know, my better half knows, my brain knows that that has nothing to do with the outcome. Like if yeah. Phil draws my blood or if Amber draws my blood, there is no magical part. I mean, when I say this sounds crazy, there's no magical potion Phil has that he sprinkles into my blood sample that says that my <laughs> HCG is doubling. <laughs> But I'm, when I, and then, I'm but I'm so then you, sorry oh, for laughing, but it's no, true. it's so true. It's hysterical. I'm a college-educated woman. I'm a very smart woman. I, I own a very successful business, and I'm like, all right, I got to park in the same spot I parked in that one time that it went my way. Yes, yes. It's crazy. It makes you. It it it, it makes, makes you. So oh my gosh! In ways so I never imagined. I never imagined I would keep so many things that I would pee on for long oh, periods of time. My. Yeah. <laughs> I have I have a journal right now and I'm going to have to start getting a new one because I I I paste my OPKs in oh. the journal. Millie. It's quite a work of art, honestly. I can only imagine watching that purple line darken on that blue strip. 
<laughs> but it's true. You're just gra- you're grasping at straws. You want you want a sense of control. You do. You know, so and out I, of your control. Totally. And I, I'm gonna go a step further. And one, I, yes, getting a therapist is was like a big turning point for me in terms mm-hmm. of like helping me through this journey. But I took it even a step further and I got a therapist that specializes in infertility. Same. Same. Really? Yes. 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 And it so changed. Important. It's so important. You can't, I mean, I, I have some dear, dear friends of mine who are psychologists, but you can't sit with um, Frank, a 57 year old PhD. Right. Who's going to be like, Oh yes. The uterus, many yeah. feelings like no Frank, <laughs> get me someone who's in the trenches. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And my, my therapist has done IVF. Amazing. And so amazing. She, it's just like, wow. It's so helpful. So helpful. Yeah. Especially because I feel like, don't you, don't you think in your fertility journey, like you learn a new language, T-T-E-T-W-W-O-P-K-H-C-G. You've got a beta, you're running an HSG. Like you, it's a different world. It's like an underground club. Oh my God. It And there's codes. There's codes and there's hashtags and there's yes special Amazon products and there's a oh. um, weird lube and there's all and these there's powders and there's, there's powders and there's, there's tingly sensations <laughs> and there's $4,000 courses on the internet. And there's, oh, you know, yeah. the meditation app and there's a, there's a thermometer, a special thermometer. Like you're out yeah. of your mind. I know. I know. It's and it's easy. I think it's like, I think that the system is kind of designed to make you crazy mm-hmm. or to at least add to it. Oh, totally. You know, totally. I, I don't feel like I had to get off Facebook mm-hmm. for a brief moment in time. I'm not, a, I'm still not on there, but the, the Facebook group forums were a whole different level of cuckoo bananas. Well, it also doesn't help that we went to an all girls high school filled with girls who have these incredibly beautiful families now. And even you don't know their struggles. Yeah. Still feels like, Oh my God, every girl I graduated high school with just sneezes and has three toe headed children. (laughs) What is going on? But I had to, I have a serious, I mean, a lot of people ask me um, why I don't talk about my fertility journey more on my Instagram account for the mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause some people express that they would think it would help people. And I know it would, I mean, what you're doing is helping so many people right now, which is really why this is an incredible thing for you to do for season three. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't, because I know that if I was me, and found someone, I know how I used to be. You find someone talking about it and you instantly latch onto it in a way that you think somehow it's going to make it better for you. And it won't. Yeah. You know, like I'm not going to have any meaningful conversations if I post about it every day. Right. I'm not any meaningful content. All I'm going to do is remind people of it. 
Right. It's not what you're doing where you're having people on who can share their story and you're having a conversation about it in a really intimate forum. Me posting a picture of myself and saying like, your time is coming and and these things that I firmly believe for people, I'm not in a position to carry that for people or be the person to facilitate that. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of people on the internet who are just, and when you're in the position you and I have both been in, which is when you're just looking for someone who gets it. Yeah. Find some, you know, have to do well-meaning Instagram account in the TTC sisterhood. <laughs> And suddenly you're like, oh my God, Brittany's having her cycle today. Like, I, And you're like, who is Brittany? I don't know. I don't know her. She lives in Alabama. Well, it, it became too much for me. It, it, it can. And I think sometimes like I didn't realize the way people would be tracking my journey. Oh. As, I know what? Yes. as quickly as when I said something and like, I'm, I, I will, I will reveal things, um, when you I feel so in my well. gut, you know, that like, yeah. this is an okay time to share, you know, I'm, I've, I've experienced, experienced this and now I've recovered and I feel Absolutely. okay about coming public with it. Yes. But like people are like, tracking your cycle with you. I, Millie, true confessions of me, myself, and Millie. When you were like, hey, we had our IUI today. I'm like, I got to swoop back in two weeks. (laughs) Here I go. I'm emotionally attached to Millie's cycle now. I got (sighs) to back in here in two weeks. I mean, that's out of control. I know, I know. But people do. I, I just and want I to think, tell people like you're going to be holding your breath for a long time. <laughs> and also, like, and I'm, and here I am, like the biggest proponent of like nobody owes anybody anything. Okay, like no one has to share anything with us. And I'm like, when's Millie gonna update us? <laughs> like I'm out of control. <laughs> but I, and you know, I was the same way. I mean, and and I even. Yeah. I feel like when you have something to share that's going to help people and you've processed it, it's time to share. Right. Right. And there are so many accounts out there. They're like, Hey, cycle day 20. Um, my beta today was 49. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm getting too into this. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing it for their, they want connection. And I believe that Yeah. sometimes our obsessive want to know everything about everybody is it helping? I don't know what you're well, doing. Is helping. You're sharing meaningful things. I think it, I think it definitely feeds the beast. You yeah. know, it feeds the beast a little bit. So I try to be, you know, I try to be somewhat conservative in in my, you know, posts of revealing, and I also just want to make sure that like whatever I'm saying out loud to people, like. I, I have fully processed Mm -hmm. myself, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm not sharing it to continue to process something. Yeah. Like I've already come to terms with whatever, whatever information I'm putting out there. So good. Yeah. And I can't mean, I'm sure as you were there, there's so many couples go through this. Yeah. Oh, many, so many. And so when you do say, hey, we're going through this and it's really hard, and then you get 
10 people that you never expected are like, oh, girl, been there. Or I am. That, that was what felt the best. Yes. That, that's what made it all worth it, for totally. sure. Every time. Yeah. Every time. Well, did you have any misconceptions um, before starting your treatment? Or, um, you know, any misconceptions along the way, um, not just with treatment? I did, I think that um, just a lot of what we've been talking about is I did not realize how many people go through this. Yeah. I was like, I'm embarrassed and this is so much and none of my friends have gone through this and this feels so lonely and scary. And I really had a misconception of how hard it would be on every facet of my life in the fact of my friendships and relationships with my, my women friends. Yes. Um, because you can't help like, cause then when your friends are bitching about their kids, you're like, I would cut my arm off to be bitching about my kids. Yeah. So then I found myself just being angry and bitter. And that was a huge thing I was not prepared for was the gamut of emotions. Yeah. Um, also was, I had a huge misconception when we started that I was like, I'm not going to let this control my life. And we're just going to be as laid back in treatment as we were when we were trying. And, you know, I'm going to just stay off the internet and I'm just going to let and it, it, you know, that all quickly went out the window. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't go to things. Yep. I, I think the end, what felt like an endless cycle of loss I just sort of became like a hermit, like a shell myself. I didn't really, you know, leave the farm for basically an entire summer. I stopped talking to a lot of my friends. Um, You know, some of them were good. And some. it's really also one thing I was not prepared for was you really learn who's going to show up for you in your life. And then you realize who can't hang. Mm -hmm. Because some people just can't have friendships where it's hard for their friend right now. Yeah. Yeah. That was really interesting to watch unfold. And I also, I mean, I'm a badass bitch, but I became a 10 times more cutthroat bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, Oh, she can't hang. All right. Bye. Never speak again. And not in a way like, I'm really sad about our friendship. I was like, Oh, if you can't handle me at my worst. Yeah can't handle me ignoring your call for six weeks and just saying, I can't talk right now. And them saying via text, are you okay? And me saying, no, but I'll, I'll be fine one day, just not right now. And then you can't hang through that. Then I don't really want to hang with you. Right. Right. It, there's, there's kind of a natural selection that starts taking place. Yes. Yes. And I think it's really, you know, there's definitely been friends of mine that have reached out that have either just found out that they're pregnant or have just had a baby. And personally, it I I have a hard time connecting with the with those people right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, and, it, as you and it's nothing against them. Absolutely. It's just that like it's really hard to hold space for Mm -hmm. both this like extreme joy that somebody's experiencing and this extreme sadness that the person on the other line is experiencing, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. 
Some, one of the greatest, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. Go ahead. One of the greatest friendships in my life came from my infertility season because um, we, at both of us, my friend Megan and I both had a mutual friend, our best friend, Julie. We did not know each other. Megan and I did not know each other. And Julie had never struggled with infertility. She had two kids and she was like, I don't know how, you know, she was amazing. Like, I don't know what to say. Like she wasn't saying the wrong thing. She was just like, this sucks. Like, what can I do for you? And she, you know, turned to the form of like just dropping off food nonstop. And then she said, I really think you should talk to Megan. You guys have both been through the same things. And I met Megan up at a coffee shop and it's like, you've got to surround yourself with people during the season that you're in who get it. Yep. Because if they don't, it feels so tone deaf. Yeah. Everything feels toned up. And I sat down with Megan. We talked for three and a half hours. She's one of my best friends today. Mm. It's just like. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) And I would look at Facebook and see Megan's family if I did not know her and think she had it easy. Yeah. Two beautiful kids and their pictures are awesome. And it's just so intricately woven into our identities as women that it's hard not to leach into every fabric of your life. Yes. Yes. Yep. Did you, um, was there anything along the way that really surprised you? I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good one, you know, like unexpected friendships. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a gift from this. Totally. Um, some friendships also, I think I alluded to this earlier, like I had no idea how tough I am. Mm-hmm. it's a different level of grief and grieving. You know, my therapist would say you're grieving your birth story when you mm-hmm. think you're going to have a baby one way and it's not happening that way. Yeah. That's um, important to remember because people who have struggled to conceive, even after they have a baby, um, this is what my therapist was telling me that there's still a hole there Mm -hmm. that needs nurturing um, Mm -hmm. because they were robbed of this joyful process. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. I was so angry during the, during some months of my, my fourth pregnancy that resulted in my full term birth. Um, because I felt like I had gotten the first 25 weeks of it stolen from me due to anxiety. Mm-hmm. I was so mad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you do, you have to, if it, it's not going to go down the way you imagined it when you were 25 years old, right. you know, 30 years old, um, there is something there. So I think I was surprised that the joyful surprises were, you know, unexpected friendships, learning how people can show up in your life. And then also, like, I realized how tough I am. Like, I did not realize how tough I was until I went through this. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Is there, um, on that note, um, you know, if there is something that you could change regarding the dialogue about trying to conceive, what would you like to see shift? Just that it's more open. Just what you're doing right now, Millie. Like, we have no problem. Everyone's like, got a colonoscopy Wednesday. Sticking a camera up my butt. (laughs) A 
suddenly, if you're like, wow, we're going to go meet with the fertility special, people are like, all right, well, I got to go. Great seeing you. <laughs> you know? Or, or they say things like, I had one friend say, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. No. And I was like, well, I'm actually really excited. You know, totally. there's, there's a, there's opportunity and yeah. chances that you can get when going to totally. do, going to a doctor. So don't, don't try to like match and then, you know, surpass my grief. No. And I think that's it. Just the conversation, just be excited for people. When people say we're starting IUI, just say something like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm hopeful for you guys. I'm really excited because this is exciting that you're trying a new Avenue, Yeah, you know? And so just this, what you're doing right now, what we did on this podcast today, just talking about it is making it more open. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Kaylin. I, of course. I, thank I, you really enjoyed chatting with you and um you never know i might scrounge up another idea of a topic to bring you back on for well always i love the podcast i'm so excited to be here and i really do thank you for having this conversation and making it equal to having the camera up your butt <laughs> okay I'll ciao ciao Mel. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bums, and see you next week.